Good evening to my listeners. You are listening to the Fierce Igbo Women's Initiative podcast with your host, Ugochi Onyewu. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this podcast where we interview Igbo women and friends of Igbo culture from different walks of life. Today's phenomenal fierce Igbo woman is none other than Dr. Ifen Lota Ojiako. Dr. Ifen Lota Ojiako is a hospice and palliative medicine specialist. She's also the founder of Zebralta Medical. Zebralta Medical is an organization dedicated to equipping all lifelong learners with success tips and study tips. Zebralter Medical is dedicated to ensuring that all black children see themselves in all careers and know that they can aspire to their full potential. The organization exists to overcome the inequalities and barriers to a career in medicine or dentistry for black youth. In addition to all of this, Ifen Lota is the mother of six children. We discuss Ifen Lota's journey to the United States as a first-generation immigrant and talk about how she decided to start Zebralta Medical. Ifen Lota gives us helpful tips on balancing a busy life through finding a system that works for each individual. Ifen Lota is also one of our most engaged followers on Instagram. I was super excited to chat to this astounding lady. Hi, Ethan Lotta. How are you today? It's so nice to talk to you. I am doing well, and the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much, Ugochi, for having me on your platform. Of course. I'm so excited to talk to you and to learn a little bit more about you. I, I love the connection. It's funny. We'll talk about that, how um, you'd been following me on Instagram. You were one of my most engaged followers, and I knew I was going to reach out to you to have you on the show. And then a mutual oh, friend, your cousin, actually was like, oh, you should yes. And she made the connection. So it's such a small world. So either way, yes. thank you for joining today. We'll start as we always do. Our audience know this is the way we like to start, which is just by having you just talk, just free form. Let us get to know you a little bit. Tell us about yourself. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? What was it like growing up with Igbo parents? Just talk for a little bit. Sure. So the first thing I want to say is here, I want to send a shout out to Ada. You mentioned, you know, she's my cousin, your friend. And um, I thank you, Ada Ibe, of room for this connection. So, (laughs) I know, right? So, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm the Ada of my parents, the first daughter of my parents. I grew up in Anambra State, in Enugu, precisely. I was born in Anambra State, raised there. And um, my dad... uh, Growing up was a judge of the high court. He later became the chief judge of the state. And I think his career formed him in the sense that when you're working in the field of law, especially in Nigeria, there's just um, a lot that may not be true in people. And so he always had this personality of, you know, just 
kind of almost not believing you from the get-go and you having to prove yourself. Mm. So, yeah, so just the mention of my dad's name, Mwazota, you know, just a very popular name there was enough to be like, oh my God, that guy, we don't <laughs> want to get near him or get on his wrong side. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, but that translated to an upbringing where my dad was strict, mm. as in strict, strict, strict. Mm. So um, if I had to hang out with friends or go to the occasional party, I had to sneak out and make sure I did that when he was out of the house. But um, now that I have children, looking back, I kind of get a sense of a little bit of why he was as strict as he was growing up. So, mm. um, Did you grow up speaking Igbo in your house? You know, that's a great question. Um, not quite, not mm. quite. Um, so when I was in fourth grade, primary four in Ekulu Primary School, the equivalent of fourth grade in America, my parents separated. My mom actually had gone to the hospital to have my younger sister and she never came back home. She went from there to her parents. And, mm. you know, that was the beginning of another kind of life where mm. I didn't have that quote unquote mother figure, you know, mm. growing up. And mm. in terms of language, yes, we spoke a little bit of Igbo, but it wasn't um, something that was done all the time. Yeah, you know, I learned Igbo because I grew up in the, uh, in the East. I went to you know, schools in the East, I had friends, but at home, you know, really didn't speak Igbo all the time, maybe amongst my siblings, but with my dad, really, it was English. Mm. That's the way we communicated. You, know? you talked about your your mother having a, a baby and going back to her parents. And then you, you talked about being raised by your father predominantly. So how do you think that affected you in terms of positive, we, you know, I'm sure there was a positive impact growing up with a strict father did it make you kind of more of a go-getter or someone who really kind of ha- knows the value of hard work? How did that impact you, your childhood in general? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, at the point, I didn't see all that I see now, you know, growing up with children and all. I just knew that my mom wasn't there and you know, when you're in your preteen, teenage years there and you're a woman or a young girl growing into becoming a woman, you know, there are things that you have to learn. And I kind of learned it off the cuff. You know, I taught myself a lot of those things. Um, but just growing up in a household, I, I think the currency in a household was education and mm. performance and mm. just being the best at whatever. So if you're if you were doing really well in school, then you know, you were up there. And if you weren't doing well, it was like, okay, you gotta get your act together. Mm. So, mm. you know, just yeah, a lot of things formed me. Yeah, it sounds like that was the great foundation to a lifetime of hard work. <laughs> you talked about not really speaking much Igbo in the house mm. when you were growing up, but do you speak Igbo with your husband and your family today or is it is it predominantly English? So, um, yes, we speak Igbo at home. My husband is a traditional Igbo guy. Uh, his dad, when he retired, became the Eze of their village. And so mm-hmm. whether his dad was the Eze or not, my husband was raised uh, by his grandma. And mm-hmm. so Igbo is totally ingrained in him. I communicate with him in Igbo. 
With our children, though, that's a different story because um, growing up with raising our children, my second daughter, when she was born, did not speak for the first year of life. Mm. So the way we have children, they're like babbling and things like that. It wasn't that so with my second daughter. So at that point, we had to make a decision. What do we do? Are we going to do the Igbo and English or just have her talk? Let her just speak. Whatever language she speaks, let her be able to communicate effectively. And so that was when we dropped Igbo and, you know, just raised her and kept speaking in English, speaking in English so that when she went into school, she was able to communicate. But now, two, three years ago, we had a reset of our brain and we're speaking Igbo more at Mm -hmm. home and getting them to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And, you know, again, and I say this all the time to people because they're like, well, we don't really speak with our kids. Well, I didn't really speak growing up. To your point, you said a year or two ago, you started speaking more and more Igbo in the house. There's never really a bad time to speak evil, you know, even if the kids are grown. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We we have a saying in Igbo culture, exactly. We're working on it. We're working on it. And and you know, it's funny you speak in Igbo a little bit. We'll have some fun at the end. I know we have two different dialects. You speak more Anambra, I speak more Oweri. Yes. Well, we'll yes. make it happen somehow. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll surprise you. I'll come up with a few worry okay. flags. You'll oh. be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I love how you talked about your journey from, you know, being raised by, you know, by your dad and mm-hmm. coming, you know, being your currency, being education and performance. Mm-hmm. I love those two words that you used. Uh, and then you talked about your family, which is great, and speaking Igbo at home. So, so kind of going on from that, maybe you can talk us a little bit through your journey to where you are today. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, from the point where you left Nigeria, coming to, to the U.S., getting married. Talk us through your journey to where you are today, and then we can start to talk about your platform, if that makes sense. Well, sure, absolutely. So growing up in Nigeria, um, during the summer vacations, we would come to America and England for some of our holidays. And one of the things that struck me about coming to America was going into the mall being able to just walk in there and buy your clothes. You didn't have to wait for the tailor to get it made. You know, you bought it. And when, whenever we came back to Nigeria, people knew this wasn't bought in Nigeria. You know, there's just the smell of all the clothes here. <laughs> so anyway, growing up, I had the idea that this will be a place I would want to settle in. And so my dad's younger sister, unbeknownst to us, would fill out the diversity visa lottery. And I remember coming home one day and, uh, you know, my mom was screaming. I went to see my mom and she's shouting like, Ethan Luta, Ethan Luta. I'm like, what is it? You won the lottery. I had no clue what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, lottery, lottery, what is it? You're going to America. You can go live there. Like, oh, my God. So anyway, that started the process of getting the paperwork done and getting my green card and Mm. being able to stay here and ultimately become a citizen later. But by the time you came to the U.S., though, were you already a physician or talk us through that journey a little bit? Great. Okay. 
So growing up, um, I remember just saying I wanted to study medicine. I don't know that it was something anyone put in me, but I do know that once I made that statement, you know, they ran with it. Mm. I had my grandma, my mother's mom was a nurse midwife and she had delivered so many children in Port Harcourt back in the day. Mm. So, you know, she encouraged me. And so I started out at University of Nigeria. And so I started out doing biological sciences there. And then I took the jam again and then got an admission into Namdi Azikiwe University. I didn't want to go because I felt like UNN was more popular and things like that. But anyway, my dad had to sit down, had people talk with me and including my grandma. And they were like, you know what? You know, in the end, I think you're going to prefer studying this. So I went to Nandiyazikiwe University. It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. You know, the transition, going to a smaller school, mm-hmm. less popular, mm-hmm. you know, but I did it. And actually, even in my first year, and I say this, you know, for people listening to know that the what you see is not always as it is. In my mm-hmm. first year, I failed my math test. Mm. And I was actually going to drop out of school. They were going to kick me out. It wasn't like I had a a choice. Mm. But then, you know, they allowed me to retake it. I passed it. But I I considered that a turning point. Mm. I had this thing coming from UNN that, Mm. you know, I I had it down. And then I'm going to the smaller school. I wasn't as studious as I should have been. So that happening right they sat me up and ultimately at the end, you know, we were a little over 40 something students that started, but it was 10 guys, two girls that graduated. So wow. we are the first graduating set of wow. Namdiazika University Medical mm. School. Wow. And mm. yeah. So. I love that. You know, I love how you highlight your failure. That shows, you know, the, the kind of person that you are because not many people are that willing to be vulnerable but it's in that vulnerability and saying how look it wasn't like i made the choice i actually failed my math in the first year yeah. and you're gonna kick me out yeah. it's helping other people understand that your your failure so-called failure at the time doesn't have mm-hmm. to define you you know and it yeah, actually absolutely. makes you more successful because you learn from that mistake and you move forward so i'm really glad that you mm-hmm. highlighted that mm-hmm. so what specialty of medicine do you practice that's a, a good question. So, you know, just coming over to America, you know, I had to take the USMLE exams, mm-hmm. took the exams. And even while I was taking this, I was like, oh, my God, you know, how am I going to do both? Thank God, made it and did a couple of interviews and finally ended up in family medicine. Mm-hmm. And when I, yes, and when I was done with family medicine, just, you know, working with older patients and seeing a lot of our older patients coming with so many different medications. I thought to myself, how am I going to manage that? Mm-hmm. And so I went on to do a fellowship in geriatrics at, um, you know, the Heinz VA hospital close by. And mm-hmm. after that fellowship, I've been with my present job advocate Aurora health system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during that time too, I also took uh, the board exams for hospice and palliative medicine. So, mm-hmm. That is what I practice in. I, I work with patients 65 and better in geriatrics, um, do a lot of rehab, mm. and then also do hospice and palliative medicine. And in that concept, I go to uh, homes and see patients there. 
So, wow. Yeah. And it sounds like yeah. that's your passion, getting these, you mentioned 65 and better. That's a really yeah. nice way of putting it. I love that. And I love that you went into a, a specialty that I, I wouldn't say is that common. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. is it about that specialty that you love so much? I'd be curious to know. You know what? I, one of the things that um, practicing in geriatrics and in hospice care has done for me is it's kept me grounded. Mm. Because when you're working with patients that are in their 80s and 90s and hundreds of patients that are dying, mm. you start to see the things that matter. Wow. And, you know, sometimes it's a little scary because it's almost like, you know, there's this saying, while we're in life, we're in death. And Sometimes, you know, when you see the end of it, you know, the things we hustle for, the hustle and bustle of life, you start to ask yourself, what matters? Because when you listen to it, it's really the relationships that they had with people. It's it's never about how much they made or how much they have. It's time to spend with people. How did I impact this person's life? And so life the things we look at there's a mindset shift Mm. and so it's really really helped me to refocus on things that matter i love that yeah that's that's amazing and it's such a an important message for us right so i'm glad that you brought that up talk to Mm. us about zebralter medical when was it started first of all tell the audience what it is when it was started and, and, you know, what made you decide to start it? What is the mission? Talk to us about that platform, if you would. Okay, great. Thank you so much for bringing that up. So I'm going to, you know, circle back a little bit. Sure. I grew up in Nigeria and growing up in Nigeria, all around me were people that looked like me. You take those things for granted. You get up, you go to school. Everyone looks like you. Your teachers look like you. I never walked into a hospital or, you know, government house, wherever. And a a physician came to me or the governor and they said, I'm doctor this, I'm governor this. And I did not believe them because who else was there? They looked like me. And so those are the things we take for granted. Mm -hmm. When I think about coming to America, I, you know, it was, oh, let me go to that country. Let me go there. But guess what? We have so much where we're born. Mm. Just the fact that around you, you have people that empower, people, Mm. you know, role models, people Mm. you can look at and say, oh, I want to be like auntie this, uncle this, Mm. that teacher. You know, it's all around us. And so coming here, you know, I, I enjoyed being here, doing what I do. But you know what? I looked around when you go to medical conferences, when you go into a, a profession, mm. how many people look like us there? Yeah. You can count them. We've mm. all heard stories of, you know, a black doctor coming to save someone, be it at a plane or whatever, mm. and people second guessing, like, are yes. you the doctor? Yes. And yes. so yes. It, it, it stayed in my mind, like, there's, there's something wrong with this picture. But mm. the defining moment for me was, the day after President Obama won. Mm. In St. Mm. I consider myself a person, you know, filled with confidence. Mm. But you know what? The next day, I walked taller. I walked mm. straighter. Yeah. Yes. And I did not know there was anything missing. It mm. took that day for me to ask myself, 
what is this about? Mm. Here I am with my background, with everything I know, mm. yet the first African-American president in America, he's winning. Mm. has affected me in a way that I had no idea. Mm. And so I started to ask myself, if I feel this way, what about children in America? Yes. Black children everywhere yes. who have never seen, who have not had what I had. Mm. Everyone around you, 98% of them looking like you, your teachers mm. looking like you, your doctors looking like you, your dentists, mm. your you know, occupational therapists, you name mm. it. There's something, we have to do something. And mm. that's where this dream birthed out. Mm. And then in the moment or, you know, just praying at my quiet time, I, you know, years later, that happened, I let it slide because, you know, we're busy. We're I have, my husband is here, I have six children and wow. it's a lot of work. I work mm. full time. And mm. so years later, I remember, you know, we have a little room in our house. We call it our prayer room. You can pray mm. anywhere, but this yes. place in particular. So there I was having my quiet time and this thing settled in my spirit mm. and it would Mm. I'm thinking, how do I do that? So mm. that was the beginning of Gibraltar Medical. Mm. And, you know, I remember letting my older brother know about it and, you know, saying, hey, you know, just, I mean, it was one thing after another, but, mm. you know, just fast forward to telling him and he's like, you have to do this. Just go for it. Go for it. Mm. And so that was birthed out. So what is Gibraltar Medical? It's a platform. <laughs> we have a website and mm. the goal of the website is to shine a light that science is an option. There are black doctors, there are black dentists. Mm -hmm. Go in there. You're going to see people that look like you. There are study tips there by, mm -hmm. you know, people in different, well, in uh, dentistry and mm -hmm. physicians primarily, mm -hmm. and then a couple from different careers. And the goal is your picture is there. What mm -hmm. has worked for you is there so that mm -hmm. our children, when we're talking to them, they can go there and mm -hmm. see people that look like them yes. right there. I love it. Amazing, amazing. And one of the things that I've said this before, one of the things that I love is you can be talking to someone, but as soon as you start to talk to them about their passion, you can tell the talk of their voice just change and they light up. <laughs> so I love it. I know it's amazing. It. it is amazing. So what are some of, do you have any kind of stories or yes. results from starting? Yes, yeah, Zabralta, talk to us about that. Absolutely. So, so well, after we found the website, you know, a couple of months later, we, it, I thought to myself, listen, our children are on YouTube, you know, that's where things happen now. So mm -hmm. let's go ahead and have a YouTube channel. The difference with the YouTube channel is all careers, whatever kind of success tip you have from regular everyday Americans, you know, pigmented, Come on, share it with, uh, with people so that they can see, so that they can learn. Because another challenge we have in our community is sometimes we know things and we sit on it. Mm. We sit on it and yes. we see our brother or sister trying to get to where yes. we are and yes. we're not sharing. Yes. And so we have to break that concept. We have to break mm. that in our community because that is the only way mm. together as a race we can stand strong mm. and bring in other people to yes. be as successful or more successful than yes. we are. Yes. So yes. our YouTube platform is where people share success tips 
three minutes, three to four minutes or less. Some of them are under a minute, some are, you know, two minutes. And the goal of this is where you, when you get on it, you can see someone like you sharing something definitive that has worked for them. Mm-hmm. And you can apply it if you're dealing with that kind of challenge. So yes, there's been success tips. Um, there's been success stories. This mm-hmm. past weekend, I was at a program, a STEM event, and one of the parents came to me. I mean, didn't know the parent. They just came to me and said, listen, I just want to say thank you. I have a, a niece who was struggling with chemistry in college. Mm. And one of the videos on your YouTube channel, I sent it to her and said, mm. listen to this. So wow. those are the things that yes. make you feel like, you know what, I'm yes. going to press forward. Yes. Even when I don't see the immediate results, I'm going to yes. stay with it because yes. someone somewhere is being helped by this. Exactly. Exactly. And you never know, right? You'll never know. If that lady hadn't come up to you, you wouldn't have known, but still you're Absolutely. making that impact. To that point, it can be challenging, right? I'm sure there are times when you're like, why am I even doing this? What are some of the challenges maybe that you encounter? Of course, you're a full-time mom, six kids. I don't know how you do it. You work full-time, you have a husband. So I'm sure time alone is a huge challenge. Talk to me about some of those challenges. I, I think the biggest challenge is time. Yeah. You know, time to devote to the things that matter and yes. just being able to be comfortable in yourself enough to know that you're not always going to get it all done. Mm. And sometimes it might take a little longer than you, env- you thought it would, but, you know, just press forward. I tell myself, lean forward. And mm. the other thing is just knowing that it is your dream, it is your passion. It was birthed in you for a purpose. And so getting over people not always understanding or jumping in with you like, oh my God, this is amazing. Do you understand? Because it's your dream and not theirs. So eventually they might come on board and then again, they may not, but that's okay. Just press forward, keep going. Such sound advice, even for me, right? For all of us, because sometimes we work on something we're so passionate about, but you get tired, you get discouraged. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so I appreciate you bringing that because I know there'll be people out there listening that this would really help. I'm really curious though, Ethan Lotta, what makes you nervous? You calm down when you get nervous. Are you kidding? Something like what I'm doing right now makes me nervous. I, <laughs> I was sitting down thinking, what have I gotten myself into? How am I going to do this? So yeah, this makes me nervous. But <laughs> but I'm sure talking about your passion calmed you down or maybe it made you oh, even more excited. Ooh, talking about you can get me on a roll. I'll just, yes. You know, I'm yes. tired. But when it comes to that, I'm like, come on, let's go. Yes. You know, stuff, stuff, stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You talked about, um, you know, obviously when you're passionate about something, just taking it one step at a time, you may not be able to get it all done, which speaks to balance, right? Again, I I come back to you because, of course, you're a perfect example of someone who is super busy, right? So how do you balance it all? Because there's a never ending to do Mm -hmm. list. It seems like you may have 10 things you get done and then somehow they're replaced by another 15 things, right? So how do you balance life? How do you not get overwhelmed and how do you balance it on a day-to-day basis? You know what? Um, For everyone, it's a little different, but I can speak specifically for Ethan Luther. I've, you know, done things a little differently in years past and now I know what works for me. 
-hmm. It doesn't matter what my day looks like. I, it does not matter how busy it appears to be. Mm. I have to start with the word. Yes. I have to start with the word of God. I have to start with prayer and occasionally singing songs. Mm. And once I've done that, that is my firm foundation for moving forward. Because then I know that I will get to what I can get to that day. And whatever else I can't do, there's another day it's going to have to wait. Mm. And then also just knowing when enough is enough. I'm tired. I can't do it all. And trust me, I, sh I have no problem logging our, our room. Our bedroom door has a lock. So I have no problem going in there, mm. locking it and turning off my phone, turning off all that and just, mm. you know, getting some much needed rest. That sounds like a very balanced approach. You, you can't do it all. Just turn off your phone and lie down. Yeah. You know, sometimes is the solution. Yeah. So I'm also really curious because you're just someone who is such an inspiration. I'd love to know what advice have you received to date that has made the greatest impact on you, whether it be from your dad or your mom or anyone that, you, that stands out to you? We'd love to know. You know, like I, I said earlier, I, I think in particular, it, it's really my faith. Mm. You know, my faith is the foundation of everything I do. Um, it, it doesn't make me, I mean, no one is perfect. I, it, it, just, it doesn't make me a better person than the next person. It, it just helps me handle life. And so I remember growing up, I, like I said, I grew up with my dad. Mm. I, can, I can count on my hand how many times I walked into the church with him. But he would make sure that every Sunday we went to church, we came back, and out of the blue, just to make sure we're doing what we were supposed to be doing, he'll say, so what did they, where did they preach from? And I remember one day, you know, I just said something, and he grabbed the Bible, and I was shaking like, oh, my God, this guy is serious. He's going to check it out to see if I'm right. But, you know, so that in itself, just the foundation of knowing that there's a God who is bigger than everything that can come my way or be yeah. thrown at me or the mistakes yeah. I make. Yeah. That sometimes, Because honestly, my life is a story of so much redemption. It's not even yeah. funny. So that is my foundation, yeah. Mm, that's such a great way to segue into having some fun with Igbo language. <laughs> so <laughs> how do you want to kick it off? You can start. I can start. You can ask me a question. You know, I can ask you a question. <laughs> no, let me, I, I actually thought a little bit about this. One oh, great. Words, yes. One of the words that I love that my husband uses, and it is, you know, like the easiest, he says, Wanyim. Mm. Wanyim. I mm. love it when he refers to me as his yes. woman. Yes. Like, Wanyim. Mm. I mean, I mean uh, some people may be like, oh my God, that's a little crude, but trust me, no. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So, um, yes. But one of my, my own favorite things that I say is Jisike or Jidekiji. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. I love that. It means to yeah. literally hold on to what you have. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Y
Issues for Lego, worry. Jishike, no, Malika, Malika. So well, you know, you're really an inspiration to us. Is there anything you would have liked me to ask or you'd love to share with the audience before we ask how people can reach you? Is there anything else you'd love to share with the audience? You know what? Um, actually, thank you for asking that. I, I just want to encourage women in general. Mm. I want to encourage women to be strong and hold on to your dreams. And, you know, for everyone, never feel less than. You know, we're all different. And the bodies we have, it's a house. Mm-hmm. But what is so important is the spirit within. You know, now as an adult with my children and family, I look back at my mom and I think of the challenges she suffered in Igbo land. You know, going back to her parents, going up after marriage, you know, being divorced, separated, raising a child with her parents and just the subtle insults and the obvious insults mm-hmm. and still standing firm mm-hmm. and pursuing Viewing her vision eventually. Mm. I want to encourage every young girl out there, mm. hold on, be mm. strong, mm. stand for something. Whatever yes. it is you believe in, go for it. Mm. Yeah, such a wonderful word of encouragement for us. Before <laughs> we let you go, of course, I'm sure there are people listening that would love to be able to contact you or follow you on social media. So if you could let us have your you know, website, your Instagram handle, however you, you think is the best way for people to be able to reach you or follow you. We'd love that. Oh, thank you so very much. So guys, if you're listening, the first thing I want you to do when you're done listening to this program is head on to YouTube. Go check Zebralta Medical, Z-E-B-R-A-L-T-E-R Medical. Please subscribe. The strength in numbers and mm. follow us on Instagram, same name, and our website, www.zibraltamedical.com. Check out the study tips. There's something there for everyone. Wonderful, wonderful. This has been so awesome. And thank you so much, <laughs> Ethan Lotta. I had so much fun. It was so great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Gochi. You are <laughs> phenomenal. You, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for opening up our eyes to all things evil and just god bless the work of your hands we are proud of you thank you thank you so much another thoroughly helpful and engaging discussion you have to visit the show notes where i provide information on how to follow ethan lotta and learn more about zibraltar medical to access the show notes please visit the website at www.vebo.com slash podcast and click on this latest episode if you would like to reach me you can do so via email my email address is ugochi at theebo.com tell your friends about the show don't forget to follow us on instagram and facebook and leave us a review i will speak to you again very soon thank you so much for listening take care bye bye